Mud Stories, Episode 31. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place I just had so much shame over uh, making such a huge mistake. And I really believe that I, that my Christian walk and my testimony was now invalid. You know, that's kind of the lie that I believed. You have done this awful thing and now you have disappointed God. And for the rest of your life, you know, you will try to earn back his favor and prove to him that you're thankful for what he did for you because you've let him down in such a colossal way. And God started me on this journey of, of recognizing that until I can receive His grace for me, I'm not going to be able to give that grace because we can't give what we haven't received. It's that grace that's going to inspire our hearts to obedience. And really, that's the only obedience that God wants, right, <laughs> is, a, is a heart inspired, a heart that obeys out of faith and love and not out of a desire to earn His love and favor. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast, and today I'm talking with Jeannie Cunyon, a writer, author, and speaker who makes her home in Connecticut with her husband and three exuberant boys. Jeannie holds a master's degree in social work, and she really has a background in counseling and writing and also speaking all about parenting and adoption. And yet, despite all that formal training, Jeannie confesses to spending the first five years of being a mom really feeling like a failure and just full of shame over the mistakes she thought she was making as a mom. And, you know, I think so many of us really feel like motherhood ends up being way harder than we ever thought it would be, or even fatherhood as well. And I think, you know, it is hard when we feel like we are failing at what our expectations had been of what we were going to be doing in that role. And so it's just so hard. And in her process of working through all of that, Jeannie wrote a book and she entitled it Parenting the Wholehearted Child, Captivating Your Child's Heart with God's Extravagant Grace. It's a grace which she had to accept for her own heart far before she could offer it to anyone else. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you because I think it could be life-changing for you. You know, Jeannie's message of God's grace is so powerful. And in this episode, her and I discuss way back from the beginning, her childhood, growing up as a pastor's kid, the pressures of feeling like you had to be perfect or perform. Um, sometimes there's that tendency when we're in a certain role, whether it's being a pastor's kid or any other situation, really, it's not unique to just, just that situation, but in general, just the pressure that it is that we put on our own hearts, uh, to try to be perfect and try to perform and do well and feel good about ourselves. 
We discuss her first marriage and the tragedy of divorce that she went through and the shame because of that that nearly overcame her. Jeannie goes on to share how she ended up compensating for what she felt like was such a big failure, how she tried to earn God's love and ended up parenting out of perfectionism, ultimately, in the end, becoming shattered by the power of God's great grace. And this message that Jeannie shares in her book and really in her life is one that I think is going to be so moving and encouraging. Because if you've ever struggled with failure, shame, or guilt, maybe striving, perfectionism, performing, things like trying to be enough or trying to earn God's favor or pleasing God by things that you do, you know, it's my prayer today that you would be touched and changed by Jeannie's words and just the power that the mercy and grace of God gives us, a power to be free, free from all of those things. And, you know, beyond that, if you are a parent today, or maybe you've had a parent, obviously we've all had a parent, or maybe you know a parent, I think this episode will enlighten you and strengthen you and also empower you, as I know it did me, to be the kind of parent you've longed for all along. Not a parent who strives to be perfect, but a parent who open-handedly receives the lavish grace of God and is in turn able to give that to your kids. And so I just know no matter what your situation is today, no matter if you're a mom or a dad or not a parent at all, I know you're going to love Jeannie's words, and I can't wait to share them with you. Enjoy. Hi, Jeannie. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I've been looking forward to talking to you so much. Thank you, Jackie. I'm so happy to be talking with you today. Well, one of the things I most love about you is your heart for God's grace and how you advocate for laying down our perfectionistic tendencies and our temptation to control situations and even outcomes with our kids and how you really champion the deep love and never ending grace of our God. So my heart is so with you in that. And I just feel so connected to you because of it. Sisters in Christ, just so in need of God's grace each and every day. Each and every day. I think it's a daily laying down and surrendering for me. So I'm with you on that. Yes. And yet I know that there were some days in your life where you really struggled with realizing that grace and it led you through some thick mud on your way to learning that there may be a better, more freeing way to live. So I would love it if you'd just take us back and share with us a bit about your relationship with God your growing up years and how the mud really began. You know, it's so, it's so wild for me to kind of look back at the way I was raised and um, think about how I still got caught up in so much of this, what I call the three deadly P's, this perfection and this performing and this pretending, because that's really not what I was given um, as a child. And it just reminds me that the world, the message of this world to ground our identities and what we do uh, is so loud because it got its hands on me once I left home. 
uh, I was raised as a preacher's kid uh, in uh, South Florida and uh, was really given so much grace by my parents. Um, they will be the first ones to tell you that uh, my sisters are 11 years older than me, 10 and 11 years older than me. And my parents wish they could have done a lot of things differently with my sisters. They didn't know much about parenting with grace uh, with my sisters. And so they really felt like parenting me was a new opportunity for them to do it differently. And so they gave me so much grace. They they taught me about God's unconditional love for me in Jesus Christ. And they made it so clear that their love for me had nothing to do with what I got right and what I got wrong. And so it's ironic that I was given that foundation. And yet I think we are just, we're so wired. I mean, I think it's in our DNA. We're so wired for earning and deserving. Mm. Uh, and grace is such a, such, such a free gift. It's all you can do is open your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, that I can't increase this and I can't decrease this. But there was something in me that wanted to increase it, to believe that there was something I could do for God to increase his favor or his pleasure in me. And the more I failed, the harder I tried. And I failed a lot. You know, I, I, I kind of got caught up in this uh, identity was what people thought of me. So I was really worried about what my Christian life and my faith looked like from the outside. Um, as a preacher's kid, I think there's a lot of pressure. You know, there's eyes on you. People, mm -hmm. um, you know, are looking to see how the preacher's kids are doing and living. And so I, I think I was very aware of that pressure and I wanted to represent well. And so I worked really hard to be a quote unquote good Christian kid. Um, but I am human and I failed a lot and, and I began to feel a lot of despair over, uh, my awareness of my sin and my shortcomings, no matter how hard I was trying to be good for God. When, when do you remember that starting? I mean, are, are you talking about like back in elementary school? Are you talking about high school, college? Because oftentimes when these sorts of things are happening, it's really in retrospect that we can recognize and pinpoint what exactly we were doing or feeling or, or the tendency that was there. But when we're living it in the middle of it, it's hard to sometimes identify, oh, I'm being perfectionistic or, oh, I'm wanting to perform or really be accepted in that way. It's just something that is there, but not really identifiable. So I'm just wondering if you recall how that sort of eased its way in and when that tendency began? I do. I mean, I think I got, I became aware of how sinful I was probably, I'd say high school mm -hmm. uh, is when, you know, I think we're forming a, an identity and trying to figure out, you know, we're, we're, we're going into a stage where more and more of our identity is being grounded in what we can accomplish because we're looking at our grades and making the team and getting into the right college. And so, you know, I started to equate my A plus on my test with my A plus worth or mm. my C minus on my test with my C minus worth that everything I did was an extension of who I was instead of everything um, I am as an extension of who, you know, Jesus was for me. And so it, I think it began in, in high school and, and it just, once I left home, um, it just, I think it just got dramatically 
worse. And I don't think from the outside you might have looked at me and said, you know, she's caught perfection and pretending because I think we we do a good job of hiding that. It's funny. I was I was putting away. Uh, I was folding laundry last night and I had my boys come into the room and I had them get their stacks of laundry to put them into their closet. So I have a a 10-year-old named Cal, I have a 7-year-old named Brennan, and I have a 5-year-old named Owen. And so they're all at the age where they can, (laughs) you know, put their stuff away now. Yes. And so... We're working on that too. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it's funny, my 5-year-old does an exquisite job of putting his stuff away. And my 10-year-old, as I'm about to share with you, I opened up his closet doors this morning uh, and he put his, and it looked really lovely from the outside, you know, the, the, the doors were mm-hmm. closed perfectly. So from the outside, it looked like you know, <laughs> everything on the inside was going to be great. Yeah. But I opened those doors and it was like the shirts were where the pants were supposed to be and everything had become unfolded and socks uh-huh. were falling out of the cabinet. And I just stood there and for a second, I just thought, this is, this is a lot like my life, hmm. this, this closet, you know, from the outside, it might look like one thing. But on the inside, I know what a mess I am in this very moment. And so I think I was becoming aware of that more and more in college. But uh, because my identity was um, not anchored in Jesus, I was working really hard to clean up the inside to match the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, we can't clean up our inside. Only Jesus can clean up our inside and, and give us grace for those those things that we do that we wish we hadn't done and those things that we wish we had done that we didn't do. And so, oh gosh, it was probably in my early twenties that, um, you know, I made some, uh, I made some decisions that profoundly impacted my ability to receive God's grace for me. Um, I was 24 when I basically said to God, um, and I had walked closely with Jesus. I accepted him as my savior at eight. And while I stumbled and fell through my entire life uh, and was a great sinner with a great savior, I always walked with Jesus. Um, I never left the faith, but uh, when I was 24 and there was something in front of me that I very much wanted, but I didn't have the peace to go with the decision. And Mm. I basically decided that I was going to do what I wanted and pray that God would honor my choice because I had told myself that I was, um, I don't, I think I just kind of convinced myself that I could talk the Lord into my plans instead of desiring to stay in his stream. And so at 24, 24 years old, I, uh, married a man who God had not designed for me. And, but I was young and, uh, and made a decision that I, that I knew didn't carry with it peace. And, um, it sadly fell apart quickly. Mm. And, uh, after 10 months of, um, intensive marriage, Christian marriage counseling and, uh, numerous separations because of infidelity and, Mm. um, all things that I think I had hints of uh, while we were dating, but never wanted to open my eyes to fully see, because this is something I wanted. And I had basically told the Lord, I'm going to help this man love you. And, um, and, and I think you'll honor that Lord. And so anyways, we, so hard. after 10 months, oh, I mean, after 10 months, we, um, I had to, I had to end the marriage and that was the moment that I was just covered Jackie in shame, mm-hmm. 
cover. Oh, I, I can mean, I, so relate to what you're saying. And I think there's right. a lot of people who can too, because, you know, I got married for the first time when I was 21. And while there weren't, you know, red flags of, you know, being unsafe or abuse or, or infidelity or anything like that, I know what it's like to be young. <laughs> I mean, 21 really isn't that young, but... 21 and 24, you're still forming who you are. You're still figuring out what life is all about. And yet, I like to say, uh, people who are in their early 20s, they think they know everything, but they they just are too young to know what they really don't know. And sorry yeah. if you all are 21 listening to this, um, <laughs> just because now I'm almost I'm over double that age. And it's just in the in just the living of life and the maturity and the perspective shift that happens that you really are able to see a different perspective that you just possibly can't see at that age. And that's why it's so important to rely on um, the wisdom of others around us. And yet at the same time, you know, I have a 19 year old now and there's something to be said, even though we want to come alongside a person who's that age and really advise them and give them wisdom and impart to them what we really feel like God would have for them. There's something about letting God write their story and being there to support them in whatever decisions they make. Because I think sometimes the the decisions that we make are really how we learn about God's love. And it's how we come to the place where we can really appreciate God's grace. I know for me, I would always tell people, oh, God's grace is enough for you. His love is amazing. But it wasn't until I was at my very bottom, most broken place where I needed God's grace so much that it became so real and relevant for me. And that's what I'm hearing you say. You know, you you found yourself divorced, right? At 20 yes. something. And some, something you never imagined would have ever happened to you. And yeah. um, tell me about discovering the profound grace of God in a moment where you actually needed it. Because I would like to suggest that without that story, without that part of your life, you wouldn't be where you are today with God. I wouldn't. And I didn't really understand that until I started writing this book and seeing how the shame that I experienced in that situation basically, basically drove the way I lived my life mm -hmm. from that moment, uh, right into being a parent and the shame overflowed even into my parenting, because I think, Mm -hmm. You know, I, in my mind, I was a, I was a preacher's kid. My parents were still happily married. You know, these are decisions that yeah. these are things that shouldn't have happened to me. And mm -hmm. I had, I had created this situation and now I deserved whatever happened to me is kind of how I felt. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not the gospel, but that's the lie that I began to believe in. But that's how we feel in those moments. That's, that's how, how it feel. feels. Yeah. yeah. That's how it felt. And so yep. I just had so much shame over uh, making such a huge mistake. And I really believe that I, that my Christian walk and my testimony was now invalid. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of the lie yep. that I believe. And yep. You have done this awful thing and now you have disappointed God. And for the mm -hmm. rest of your life, you know, you will try to earn back his favor and prove to him that you're thankful for what he did for you because you've let him down in such a colossal way. And right. As I look back, though, the beauty in it is I have never experienced God's grace in such a profound way as I did in the months 
uh, and year after that. I, I didn't see it in the moment, but as I look back and I see the way that God helped me and carried me and forgave mm-hmm. me and blessed me in a, in a time in my life where I felt like I deserved nothing but punishment. Mm-hmm. And, and I was willing to take that punishment and I felt like I needed to, I forgot that Jesus already took that punishment for me. And yeah. so, um, I really believe that's what was due me. And yet when I look back, I can so clearly see, oh my gosh, the love and the grace and the blessing that God poured out on my life, the doors he opened, the opportunities he, um, allowed me to experience. And then, you know, less than a year later, you know, brought me my husband. Mike, who is everything good and lovely in this world. And I felt so unworthy. And God brought me to this man who said, I don't care where you've been and what you've done. Mm. I love you. And he became such a reflection of God's unconditional heart for me. Mm. Um, but, you know, it takes undoing. It takes time to let go of, of, you know, the pain and the shame that we carry. And so Mike and I got married and we had kids, um, you know, three months later, we found out we were pregnant with our first son. And so our parenting journey started just a little over a year after we got married. And what I did, Jackie, is I was still carrying some shame and I was Mm -hmm. still working out uh, the stuff that I had carried. And well, because it takes time. I think that's so important for people to hear. I mean, take time for me. It was five to seven years of time. And my situation was very different than yours, but it's still, I think anyone who feels like they've just blown it, you know, or failed or life is, didn't turn out how they'd planned, or maybe somebody actually did something to them or they felt shame because of that or whatever it is, that guilt and shame and really absorbing God's love. It's not an instantaneous process. It's a growth process. It's a, yeah. it's, a it's a journey. journey. Yes. Journey. Yeah. So you were it's still journey. on your journey and when you became a parent. You know, I think I was still, um, I don't even know if I had started the journey. I think I was still very much in a place of trying to be, and I know this is such an overused word, but I really was trying so hard to be perfect, Jackie. Mm-hmm. I was like, I now have to be perfect for God and regain his favor and his trust in me. Some of us have that personality tendency anyway. I think some personalities struggle more. Which I do. Yeah, with being yeah. more, I mean, you essentially fine. were like an only child. I mean, there was a big gap yeah. between, you know, only children, oldest children. You know, we we tend to sometimes want to get everything just right, you know? And so some personalities I think will struggle with that more. And so here it's no surprise. You still are yourself, no matter, you know, where you are in your journey. Yeah. Made, you know, big mistakes and trying to compensate for those with my behavior and by my performance. And so anyways, I became a mom and that ultimately overflowed into my parenting because Mm. I was trying to be a perfect mom and get it all right. So these kids would turn out all right because I loved them so deeply and I wanted so much to give them a great start. Um, but that perfection overflowed into my parenting and, um, and that's, you know, really where I think that's where God began to open my eyes to Hmm. the fact that I had spent so many years trying to earn his love and approval and his delight in me and his pleasure Mm -hmm. over me. And, and it was through a situation with my oldest son, Cal. He was only four or five at the time, but it was through that that God revealed to me that perfection had become an idol in my life. Yeah. Tell us about the story. Yeah, that story. My son did a project at school 
And you know how your children um, can make like sweet little cards about the family or about their life. And, and they usually do it for like Mother's Day or Christmas and they bring the card home and it's supposed to be this really sweet experience for your yes. family. Um, yes. So uh, that was not the case for us. My oldest son in preschool made this card called Our Family. And on the front was this adorable picture of Cal. And uh, at the top it read Our Family. And he brought it home and he was so proud and he handed it to me and I opened it up and on the inside of this card, the teacher had written down verbatim what my son had said. So it was choppy English, but it was a five-year-old's words. And this card basically said, uh, my brother cries a lot because we had just had another child and so there was baby crying <laughs> in the house. And so... Uh, it said, my, my brother cries a lot. We, we had gone from a family of, with one child to a family with three boys in a matter of five years. So all heck was breaking oh, wow. already. Yeah. So my brother cries a lot. My mom yells a lot. My mom also looks at the computer. And my dad also checks out Thomas the Tank Engine for me on the computer. And that's the end of my story. And... Oh, as a mom trying so hard to get it right. I mean, I still cry when I think about that car. I'm feeling for you, friend. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it was so painful in that moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not my son's card. He brought home the wrong card. Take that card back and tell your teacher. <laughs> that is not what's happening here. Card because <laughs> that, is not what's, that is not your story. I am trying so hard. I have read every book on how to do this right. I'm trying so hard. How can that be your story? Mm-hmm. And, um, but that card was one of the greatest gifts mm. uh, that God could have ever given me because that was, that was my rock bottom. You know, the divorce was yeah. my rock bottom in terms of feeling like the biggest failure on the planet. But mm-hmm. this was my rock bottom. Uh, it was my turnaround. It was my rock bottom to see that there was so much more that God had for me. And this was not striving for perfection was not it. And God used that card to reveal to me that perfection had become an idol, literally an idol in my life that, Mm. um, that I was, I was so far away from accepting and enjoying, uh, the perfection of Christ and allowing that to cover me. And I was trying to be for God, what Jesus has already been for me. And so I was completely incapable of resting in and enjoying Christ's perfection for mm-hmm. me. And, and I had no joy. I had no joy. And, and yet I, I was so, I loved being a mom. It was something I wanted and, and I loved my son so much. And yet the very thing, Jackie, that I wanted to give him, which was grace, the very thing I wanted to give him most was the very last thing I was giving him. Mm. And, and God started me on this journey of, of recognizing that until I can receive his grace for me, I'm not going to be able to give that grace to my kids or to my husband or to anybody because we can't give what we haven't received. And so because I had these crazy high expectations of myself, I wasn't accepting God's unconditional love for me. I was having a really hard time being a vessel of that love to my kids. And it was, you know, it was having an impact on my parenting that was so far away from what I ever envisioned or imagined for our family. And so I really just started on this journey of 
God opening my eyes to what his grace is, what's unconditional love. What is this? You know, I think what I struggled with so much is that I knew that salvation was a free gift that, you know, we are saved by grace through faith and it has nothing to do with our works. Mm-hmm. But what I've wrestled with for so much of my life is, is feeling like once that salvation, that free gift is given, then it's my job to, to keep God happy. Yeah. Right. That I failed to accept that grace doesn't continue to be this daily, hourly, <laughs> unconditional, forgiving love that is no more earned or deserved than our moment of salvation. Yes. Um, and that the only way I'm going to grow in the likeness of Christ is by, is by allowing the Holy Spirit access to my heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Those, all those things that I was trying so hard to produce in my life and failing, God said, that's what my Holy Spirit's for. So surrender to my grace and and watch me produce in your life things that you could never produce in your own life without me. It's like, you know, staying attached to the vine, yes. you know, in me. Abiding. You do no good yes. thing apart from me. Abiding, yes, abide in me, abide in my love, and and out of that will grow the fruit. But apart from him, we can do no good thing. And that was transforming in my parenting because if that's true, then what that means is I can't I can't make my kids be more anything. I can't make them be more kind. I can't make them be more thankful. I can't make them be anything. That has to be the Holy Spirit, the work of God in their hearts and in their lives. And so I finally recognized and surrendered to the fact that my job as a parent is not to make my kids more like Christ. It's to give them the good news of grace. And that is the very thing that will captivate their hearts and transform their hearts. Yes, I have to guide them and instruct them and discipline them, but I, I have no control over the results or the outcome of that. And, and as scary as that sounds, it's also very freeing. You know, I mean, think about mm-hmm. that. It's so freeing to be like, oh yeah, I can't, I have no control over that Lord. And, and you're so much bigger and, and more powerful than I am. And, and you love them so much more than I do. So my job as a mom is to give them the good news of your grace and teach them about your unconditional love and then guide them in your truth and surrender the results of that to you. So good. But that's not how I started. It's not, I was trying to produce things in my own life, things in their own, in their life, all to make God happy. And God's like, I'm already happy with you because you were found in Christ. You were covered in the perfection of my son. You don't have to earn my favor or my joy anymore, Jeannie. So as you allow that truth to penetrate your heart, it will change you. It will, it will change everything. It will change everything. I think what you're saying is so true. And yet I think when we hit those moments in our life where we are at the bottom where we failed and we're on our journey back learning about God's grace, it really is so important to accept God's grace ourselves before we can do what you're saying and lay it down and let God take control over our kids accepting grace in their own lives. And so I'm just wondering in your process of really learning more about 
God's love and grace. I think sometimes there's this hierarchy of sin that we create in our minds. You know, this sin is more bad than this sin. And so, you know, whereas maybe if I, you know, had a bad thought about my friend, that's not as guilt inducing or shame producing as, you know, having a divorce. And so there's this different way of earning back God's favor, depending on the badness of our sin that we you know, experienced or chose in our lives. And so, you know, it, it propels us into this need to earn God's favor instead of really what you were describing as needing to learn that what Jesus did on the cross was already enough. And, you know, I have a lot of people write to me about their really hard situations or choices that they've made and just to get encouragement, because they know what my journey's been. And I I love the thing that I learned that was so life-changing for me, which is what I'm hearing you say, you learned too, was that when God looks on us, he sees the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of Christ never changes. And so no matter what I do for God or what I fail to do with God, God sees Christ when he sees me. And so his love for us, for me, for you, doesn't change dependent on what we do. There is nothing we can do to earn more favor with God because we already have enough because of Christ, right? Yeah. And absolutely. so and so I want to know from you Jeannie where and how practically for those people who are listening who are in that place where they want to grasp that. They want to really feel that peace and assurance that God hasn't just saved them, but he actually likes them and loves them unconditionally no matter what. Describe for us and take us through some things that you experienced in learning that in your journey so that you could then come to a place where you could utilize that in your parenting. It's, I think it's an acceptance and it's a surrender to the fact that there um, that there's nothing that I can do to earn it and there's nothing that I can do to lose it. Uh, and I just really immersed myself in in scripture and in books about about grace, hmm. about the unconditionality of his love. Because I think there's this, mis- I think you touched on it. There's this misconception about grace, um, that maybe grace is God looking at your sin and just looking away. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not grace. Grace is, is, as you said, grace is God looking at your sin and then giving you Jesus, mm-hmm. giving you the perfection of his son. And, uh, and there's a surrender to that. And I think it's, it's literally a daily surrender for me. Cause I talk to a lot of women who say, I want to believe that God loves me that way. I want, I have so much trouble believing it. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it, it's to, to accept your love, help me receive and accept your love because we even want to, um, we want to figure out ways how to receive it. You know, it's just so hard to open our hands and say, I receive mm-hmm. your unconditional love for me. And so I think it's just a daily surrendering to that and allowing and watching that to begin to transform our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we stop trying to please him and we start enjoying his pleasure in us um, and we start giving the Holy Spirit room to do 
it's good work in it. Um, it's just, it's just so freeing. I think we, we naturally want kind of steps and formulas, even when it comes to receiving grace, but right. the reality is it's just that it's just saying, I, I'm going to, you know, there were certain scriptures for sure that were changed, that were transformative for me, like, um, second Corinthians 12, nine, where God says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Mm. And wow, I mean, that that verse was like, wow, God, you, you actually, your power works through my weakness. And so, so that, so I can actually like Paul boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So he tells us my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. And, and that was so freeing in my parenting because I, I think any parent has heard this, which is. Um, you know, there's this pressure to be a perfect example for our kids. It, mm-hmm. it comes from society, but I think it also comes from within us because we want to set our kids up for success and we want to give them an example to follow and emulate, right? And right. we know the profound impact we have on our kids. So there's this pressure internally and externally to be a perfect example for our kids. But what things 12 uh, set me free to do is to be willing to be honest about my weaknesses with my kids uh, instead of trying to hide them and cover them. It gave me permission to say, hey, mommy needs Jesus too. Mm-hmm. Um, I need grace. I am not your perfect example. I love Jesus and I will seek him all the days of my life, but but I need his daily sanctifying grace. So don't look to me as your perfect example. Let's Let's come side by side. Let's come along each other and look to Jesus because he is the only one um, who ever has been and ha- and ever will be our perfection. So I think there's certain graces, certain verses. I think also like um, Romans 5, 8, you know, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Yeah. Sometimes just meditating on these, on these verses that it wasn't after we cleaned ourselves up and got our act together and started trying harder to make him happier with us. It was while we were still sinners, running from him, rebelling against him, you know, making choices that we were trying to convince him were good ones. It's while I was doing that, that Jesus Christ died for me. And so I can't change his mind now. You know, I can't lose his favor. Now, right. And then Romans eight thirty eight, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And I think a lot of us live from a place where we do kind of this nothing but, and we put a, we put Mm -hmm. something in that verse, you know, nothing but this can separate me from God's love. And for me, it was my divorce. Nothing but this divorce can separate me from God's love. And so from that point forward, I worked really hard to earn back his pleasure in me. And, but that's not what it says. It says nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. And so as we read those verses and pray those verses and allow those verses to, captivate our hearts you know his grace begins to change our hearts and and for parents it begins to change our parenting and i think i can't speak highly enough to what you're saying about really getting into god's word and letting it get into us because it really is transforming the truths that are there and we can choose to meditate and memorize it even if it's just one verse i mean some of these verses that you're mentioning are just so life changing if we can really accept the truth of what they are. And I think for me, I, I imagined just this whole dance with God of me being so sorry for my sin and him giving me grace, kind of like looking away from what I did, you know, and like you were describing and 
God in his gracious goodness, he really did discipline me and correct me in the idea that I was minimizing his sacrifice of his son. You know, I was not accepting absolutely the profoundness of what he had provided for free for me. And while I was giving thanks for it, I wasn't really opening my hands to receive it. And in a way, that's sort of a little bit of pride there. Like, well, I'm going to get back to you, God, but I'm going to do it by earning it back. Like it can't, it's got to be too good to be true that it's for free and unconditional and unending. And um, so that really convicted me. And it really, and it really was the, um, this, the getting into God's word and the truths that are there that changed that for me, because I think God's word is living and active and God speaks to us through his word. And as hard as memorizing some scripture might be, I think it's hard to memorize, but I think part of the process of really hiding God's word in our heart and memorizing even just one verse like that um, actually causes us to meditate on it so much to get it down that it ends up getting into us just by us trying to get it memorized, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing too about scripture memory, and this is what had a, a profound impact too on the way I started my parenting, which was, um, we, we, I think we're prone to scriptures, to read scriptures and memorize scriptures that tell us what to do. You know, we have these law laden hearts. And so we, we take the ones that tell us what to do, right? right? Because the, yep. the Bible is basically law and gospel. There's do and done. Law is do, gospel is done. And as I began to read and think about scripture from that perspective, I began to realize that so many of the scriptures that I had memorized and and were kind of my starting place were all scriptures about do. I mean, even our our family verse when my son was born, our family verse was, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's an it's a beautiful verse to memorize. It's the first and greatest commandment. And it is how we're called to live our lives. But I had to I had to take a step back and say, okay, where is that love for God and my neighbor going to come from? Mm-hmm. It's going to come from the done. It's going to come from the fact that he loved us and now we're able to love others. We love because he first loves us. And so I think I was so prone to memorizing and living out of the scriptures that told me what to do. And it, for me, it was a going back to scriptures and reading more about what Jesus has already done. Yes. And allowing those verses to melt my heart because it's in that melting that I was inspired to the do. Instead of the do to earn God's love and favor, that do then comes out of a place of gratitude. Yes. A heart of gratitude. Attitude, desiring to obey and do those things because of what Jesus Christ has first already done for me. And so our family verse is still love the Lord God with all your heart. But I actually, the verse that I pray with my kids every morning is a verse that reminds us of what's been done. And that's Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. And that verse ends with, I pray that you will be able to understand how wide and how long and how high And how deep is God's love for you in Jesus Christ? Because I want them walking out the door in the morning, reminded afresh of God's unconditional love for them in Jesus Christ, because it's that grace 
that proceeds and produces all of the stuff I want them to be able to do, which is to love God and love others as they go throughout their day. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's a, it's kind of putting that the gospel first. Um, I love Elise Fitzpatrick and I write about this in the book, but, um, Elise Fitzpatrick, who is an author I admire so much. And, and she wrote something, uh, and give them grace, which was really profound for me. She said, before we can, before we talk to our kids about what would Jesus do, you know, that, you know, that big phase of the WWJD, right. um, what would Jesus do is a really good question to ask. But before we ask that, let's first remember what did Jesus do hmm. and what Jesus did already as he gave his life as a perfect sacrifice and covered all of our sin and became our perfection. And so let's remember what Jesus did do before we ask our kids to live in light of what Jesus would do, because it's that grace that's going to inspire our hearts to obedience. And really that's the only obedience that God wants, right? <laughs> is a, is a heart inspired, um, a heart that obeys out of faith and love and not out of a desire to earn his love and favor. Absolutely. Well, Jeannie, you have written a book called Parenting the Wholehearted Child, Captivating Your Child's Heart with God's Extravagant Grace. And I think once we accept God's grace or we begin our journey of really absorbing the profound grace of God in our own lives as parents, then we can begin to implement that in our parenting, which is what your book is all about. And I love this quote that you have. It says, holiness isn't a destination, but rather is the person of Jesus who makes his home inside our hearts and transforms us into his image through the power of his spirit. Our job as parents is to facilitate the work of the spirit rather than frustrate it, to plant seeds of his unconditional love in our children's hearts and entrust them to his care, knowing that Christ's likeness is never dependent on my heart questions and work as a parent, but rather on the Holy Spirit's transforming power. And I loved that so much because you were talking about how Christ-like character in our kids, you know, and it's so tempting to make it our job to make sure our kids develop Christ-like character because we want that for them, because we know that's going to make their life the most fulfilling and joy-filled as possible. And yet as parents, how do we let go of this control as we accept God's grace in our own lives and admit to our kids that we are not perfect, that we need God's grace, and we seek to model a grace filled accepting life before them how do we let go as parents and let god take over in really cultivating these virtues that you describe in the book as overflowing as the fruit of grace really in their lives i think it's important to remember that when we say let go that we're, that you and i aren't suggesting that means you know, don't establish authority, don't require obedience, don't right. train, don't discipline, right? right. Like a letting go does not mean, okay, hands off, uh, you know, have, have your way and God's got no this, consequences. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Misinterpreted that way. And, and the letting go is the simply of, um, being obedient as parents to, to guide our kids in the truth and grace of Jesus Christ and letting go of the results, mm -hmm. recognizing that we have no power over their hearts at all. And while that's scary, it's radically freeing. 
And it's one of the things that inspired me to write the book, that that it is truly God's grace, not your per- perfect performance as a parent or your imperfect performance as a parent that is going to captivate and transform your child's heart and produce Christ-like virtues in their life. You can try and try and try, but ultimately it's God's work in our kids' lives. And and it's, and it's giving our kids grace that does that. You know, I write in the book that the friendship precedes the fruit. And mm-hmm. so I spent an entire section in the book writing about how can we help our kids grow in friendship with Jesus Christ? How can we help them know that God isn't only their loving Savior, their mighty God, but He is also their very best friend, that He is for them that he's walking, helping them really experience him, right? Experience. Yes. Him and, that, and they have to experience him. They have to have their own experience of him. And so how do we help our kids experience Jesus Christ mm-hmm. through, you know, reading the Bible or prayer or some of the disciplines that I, that I walk parents through in the book? How do we help them experience the goodness and the grace of God? Because that right there, that's what's going to produce Christ-like character in their life. The more they come to know him and allow him to make his home in their heart, that is what will produce all of these virtues Mm -hmm. that we're we're trying so hard to produce in them. Well, that's what will stick way beyond. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can do all kinds of things that might produce some kind of short term outcome. But we also have to remember that that's typically outward uh, based. And yes. if it's not true heart change, as we know in our own lives, right? From, right. I can speak from, ex, you know, a lot of experience on this one, but if it doesn't come from heart change and it's just me forcing change, uh, temporary outward change, um, you know, it's not going to last. So it's, uh, it's, it's truly relying on, on the grace of God to produce that stuff as we stay faithful as parents to guide them in truth and to give them and to give them grace in the good news that, there's, you know, God's love for you and his acceptance of you has nothing to do with anything they do or don't do, but it has everything to do with what Jesus Christ has already done for them. That is the good news that melts our hearts and makes us want to chase hard after Jesus and love him and love our neighbor. It's, it's that grace. And it becomes so freeing to know that it's not up to us to have our kids turn out the way we want but it's all because of him, because we are surrendering that to him and really working on cultivating our own relationship with God that really can be a model for them to see how much someone really does need Jesus. Yeah. And that's, that's us, right? And I love what you just said. It's need Jesus, you know, cult, like give, be an example for them of how much we need Jesus. I want my kids to to know that their mom needs and relies on Jesus more than I, you know, it used to be that they thought I was perfect or that I was doing this Christian life well. And I just want them to see how much I need and love Jesus. I think that has the most profound impact on our kids because it, you know what it does? And I know, you know, this as a mom, it invites our kids to be honest about their need for Jesus. Absolutely. Right. It's an invitation without, without, verbally inviting them to that. It's just, if we live in this place of being willing to be honest about our weaknesses and how much we need Jesus to strengthen us, to empower us and to forgive us. That's been so incredible to watch that change in my kids. We get it wrong all the time. I have three boys. They are physical. They fight. They say the wrong thing. They do the (laughs) wrong thing. Our Christmas break was so hard. 
Uh, it was not our finest couple of weeks of uh, parenting and obedience. And yet what my boys are so quick to do is to seek forgiveness from one another, to confess the wrongdoing mm-hmm. and to say, I'm really sorry for what I just said to you. Will you forgive me? And, and I know when it's sincere and it's, and I think that truly comes from a place of already knowing that how Christ has forgiven them. And, um, and that inspires our ability and our willingness to forgive one another, because as we see our own brokenness, brokenness and our own weakness, it allows us to be more compassionate toward the brokenness and the, in the weaknesses of others. But it also sets us free to be honest about our own because we're no longer, this isn't self salvation. You know, this is not works. Right righteousness. It's, right. I can be honest about my weaknesses because, you know, Jesus Christ has, has already covered me. And right. our, our kids can get that at a young age. They can totally get that. They can totally get that. I mean, I've had numerous conversations. I really advocate that it's so important for our kids to know our stories and how we've failed and to really be honest. I love that you brought that out in the book because I think, you know, inevitably they're going to make mistakes. They're going to fail. They're going to feel shame and guilt. And to have had an honest conversation and an ongoing modeling of, you know, mommy messes up, mommy needs Jesus, mommy needs God's grace. And so do you. And so how can we pursue that together? I love that you advocate for that because then one day when they do blow it big time, they're not going to be afraid to come to us as parents and they're going to already have numerous times, you know, shared failures together and we seek God's love and grace together. And it reminds me of you talking about your boys being so, you know, passionate, interacting with one another. My boys are (laughs) like that too. In fact, I had just finished um, your book and yesterday I was at church and my two boys, we were, you know, there was sound check going on for the worship team and I was up there and all of a sudden I see the two boys like start to go at it in the pews and I'm like, oh no, they aren't. So I (laughs) put my microphone down, I go down there and um, I sent the one away because the one was crying and I, I, uh, I could tell that he was feeling like, devalued by his brother like he was just trying to jockey for position you know how boys do like I want to I want to know I want you to know that I'm better than you you know kind of thing and it's it's this tension that they create together but um I was reminded thanks to your beautiful words and so I decided okay you know that proverb that says a gentle answer turns away wrath and that whole message that we're pre-approved because of Christ and God likes us and he loves us and he thinks we're amazing. And so I think there's power in speaking quietly to our kids when a a moment has escalated them. And so I just leaned over in his ear and I said, you wanted Brayden to think you were amazing, huh? And he was like, yeah. And, And I said, I want you to know and be reminded that you already are amazing and that God thinks you're amazing and he chose you and he's given you gifts. And whether you stand on that little platform that you and Brayden were fighting over or not, God thinks you're amazing no matter if Brayden does or not. And you know what else? I think you're amazing and you're stuck with me because I'm your mom. And you know, it was just like, God was so good to teach me. And I don't say that story to say that I'm amazing. I mean, I'm a broken mom just trying to make my way too. But I want 
to tell you and encourage you in the words that you've written and this message that you're championing to the world, that reading your words helped me in that moment. Give a gentle answer. Redirect him towards God's goodness and favor that already is his because of Christ. And then to just speak words of quiet whisper love in his ear and to tell him I'm not going away and that I think he's amazing and we're together no matter what. And his little face just lit up with a smile. The tears dried up and we, I gave him the biggest hug and he went away with his chest held high like, I'm amazing and my mom's for me and God's for me. And so life is going to be okay. And his little eight-year-old heart, I want to believe little moments like that of choosing instead of saying, boys, stop fighting. We're in church. This is unbelievable. I can't believe you're acting this way. And like, this is so embarrassing. And I taught you better than, you know, I could have gone on and on and on like I've done so many times before. Yep. And, and yet, because I had just had your words fresh in my mind, you helped me. They helped me. God's spirit helped me in that moment, you know, make a good choice and speak life into his little heart. And I'm so thankful to God that he is faithful to meet us. His Holy Spirit meets us in little moments of our parenting like that. If we're really open and surrendered and looking for moments that we can really make a change, you know, there's hope for all of us. So beautiful. I, what you did with your son is so amazing. It makes me think about that verse. Um, it's the kindness of the Lord mm-hmm. that yes. turns us away from sin into repentance, that it's the kindness of the Lord. And I think I, I that was so lost on me and it still can get lost on oh, me. Oh, I know. Parenting, but I think it has to be my anger or a fear of a consequence or some of these other things that we try to use to, to help our kids navigate life or make different choices. And just the picture of you reflecting the kindness of the Lord in that moment and what that did to your son's heart. I mean, God's word is so amazing. You know, the kindness of the Lord is meant to turn us away. And I think when we can speak truth in love and use kindness, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, what you did with him was really, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. Oh, well, it's all because of God, not because of me, because I'll tell you, there's probably 10 more stories I could tell you that were not me doing that. Right. And, um, <laughs> and yet it's those little step-by-step moments of growth. I think I, I want to just encourage anyone that's listening today, you know, as we get into God's word, let God's word get into us, really absorb the grace that is already ours because of Christ, that really will allow us to be made aware in those little moments. Wow. You know, and it was just a little idea that popped into my mind. It wasn't like I was trying to be overly spiritual in the moment, but I think when we really reflect on how God loves us and when we really feel filled up by God, um, it helps us. It's, it's kind of like when you admire someone and you want to model yourself after them, you know, whether they dress amazing or act amazing or tell funny jokes or whatever it is. It's like when, when we spend time with God and really absorb how he's loving on us, it helps us have it be more of a natural response to love on our kids the same way God loves on us. And it's really just from our own personal experience that we're able to try it out on them, I think. You know, that it can, we, you know, we have this like uh, ability to be just a small reflection of his love. It's such a gift, such an honor. I mean, it's totally humbling. And, um, Jeannie, 
I just personally want to thank you for writing this book. It's a message that the world, every single parent needs to hear. And um, it's not just because I want you to sell books, because I do want you to sell books, but this message is so beyond selling books. It's just life-changing. And um, it did that for me uh, this weekend. And um, I have earmarked and dog-eared and underlined and taken notes. And um, I love the second half just a little bit. I'll want to tell everybody, you know, those virtues of character cultivation of Christ-like character, you really spend time going through, you know, all kinds of tips and hints about respect and self-control and kindness and gratitude and peacemaking and honesty and just, you know, the difference between authority and obedience and how we maneuver training and instructing our kids and disciplining versus correction and teaching them repentance and forgiveness. It's just... It's not just theory and beautiful stories of your own life, but it's a lot of practicality for us as parents, how to walk out this parenting journey with grace. And so thank you. Thank you for, for writing it. And I hope that, that people will go get it and help it transform their lives too, not only personally, but in their parenting. So thank you for taking the time to read it. It's, um, you know, it is really the it's the book that God used to work out his grace in my own life. So it's really just kind of the journey of how God did and continues to help me understand his love for me so that I can be a vessel of that for my kids. So it's, it really is. um, I'm so thankful to hear that God uses it in other moms hearts and in their parenting to draw them closer to him. So thank you for saying that and for taking the time to read it and for having me today. I've loved, I've loved talking with you. Oh, well, I'm, I mean it so much. And well, I can't be more excited because I want to give one of you who's listening today a copy of Jeannie's book, Parenting the Wholehearted Child. And so if you would love to go home with that book today, we'd love it if you would join us in the show notes of this episode. You can go to JockeyWatkins.com and just leave for us some kind of comment, maybe something that really stuck out to you from this podcast, something that rang true or resonated with you about what we talked about. Maybe it would be a question you'd have for Jeannie or for me or a comment of maybe a way that grace has infused your parenting this last year or month or week or whatever it is. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to interact and talk with you. And I'd love for one of you to get to take home Jeannie's book. And so meet us over there. We'd love that. And you could also tweet to us if you want, but I think I'll limit it to the blog post comments of entering that. And I think, what do you say? Maybe after a week after the episode comes out, then I'll just randomly select who it is that gets to take home your book. Does that sound good? That sounds awesome. Awesome. I love, I love conversations and just hanging out with people. So that'll be great. I do too. That will be great. And okay. So Jeannie, tell us where can we all find you online and track you down and learn more about your book and your message to the world? Uh, my website is just JeannieCunyon.com. Uh, and so you can learn more about the book and about me and I blog there occasionally. Um, and I just recently, uh, released a study guide for the book, which I'm so excited. Yay, about. Yay. Me finally, too. I know. I'm so excited. Moms for the book came out in April and, um, and I have been working hard to get a study guide together so that moms who want to gather together and dig this, dig deeper into this book now have a tool to do that. So there is now a study guide on my website for free download. So 
grab your girlfriends and you can um, grow in grace together. So oh. it's JeannieCunyon.com. And um, Jackie, I've just loved being with you today. I've learned just so much from just listening to you. So thank you for oh, having me. And me too, friend. I can't thank you enough. So Jeannie, in closing, would you read for us the summary portion of your book, that last paragraph? It's just such a beautiful statement of your heart for us as parents. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, we're reading from page 259, and the summary is called God's Final Word. And it says, God's extravagant grace forever eliminates the burden of perfection and performance, and it compels us and our children to live out of the freedom and the fullness of His wholehearted and unconditional love in Jesus Christ. Grace is God's final word. You are fully accepted and fully forgiven, fully known and fully loved, not because of what you do for Jesus, but because of what Jesus has already done for you. Let your heart be wrecked afresh as you revel in this radical grace and stand amazed at how it captivates your child's heart. I love that. Heart wrecked. It is. And standing amazed, standing amazed. That is me. Grace is heart-wrecking. Yeah. Heart-wrecking. I don't think I'll ever get over it, ever. Nope, I won't either. So, oh, so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much, Jeannie. Have a beautiful day. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Well, that's all for this episode. And I'm so thankful for Jeannie for joining us here today. I know the episode went a little long, but I hope it was an encouragement to you. And wow, God's grace I'm so, so thankful, and I know you are too. And so you can find the show notes and the links to everything Jeannie mentioned in this episode over at mudstories.com or at jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode 31. And that actually is the link you can go to to leave us a comment in order to win a copy of Jeannie's book. Parenting the Wholehearted Child, and I know that it's going to bless you. And so, you know, Jeannie and I will be hanging out in the comments there. If you have something you want to share about God's grace in your own life, or maybe some failure or shame or guilt that you've experienced and how this episode encouraged you, we would love to hear from you. Or if you have a question for Jeannie, she's so graciously been willing to hang out there This episode will be airing on Tuesday, February 10th, 2015, and if you leave a comment um, before the end of Monday, February 16th, 2015, you'll be entered to win a copy of Jeannie's book, and I can't wait to send it to one of you. So meet us over there. We can't wait to talk with you. And also, I wanted to mention, if you have struggled in your life with shame or guilt or failure... You are not alone. That has been my journey, a journey of failure and needing God's grace. And yet recovering from shame and guilt and failure is really, really hard. And I so get that. And so I have a free gift for you. If you want to know my favorite resources that helped me recover from failure, that I think can help you recover from failure, all you have to do today to get that PDF for free, you just head on over to JackieWatkins.com forward slash free gift. And that that is my gift to you with the hope that it would encourage your heart as you are finding your own freedom from failure. And so take advantage of that if you if you want. I'd love to give it to you. So thank you again so much for taking time out of your day to join me here. No matter what it is you're doing as you listen to this Mud Stories podcast, 
I'm just so honored and grateful that you've joined me. And, you know, if this podcast helps you or it touches you in any way, I would so love it if you would share that with a friend. You know, the way our podcast grows is if we just spread the good news to others who might need to be encouraged too. And so I'd be so honored if you would share that with somebody in your life some way, somehow, and um, make a difference. Let's make a difference and keep encouraging people through the stories that are shared by brave people who are willing to come and talk to me. So again, and I'm hoping that it really is the encouragement that you need as you walk through whatever mud it is you're facing in your everyday days. And uh, I am for you. I'm praying for you. And you are not alone. And so today, no matter what you're facing, where you've been, or what lies ahead, may you find your grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. Never in you, mother, feels a press upon my mind. I pull the shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never any mother feels a press upon my that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you song to sing, a grateful song to sing.